More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome into the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you with us. Remember, phone lines open, 800 282-2882 800-282-2882 clayandbuck.com is the website Democrats absconding fleeing from Austin the state capital of Texas you had uh, more than 50 of them on private planes leaving their state to jam up the legislative works because they're not in the majority, so they're just going to run away and decide that it's their football and they're going to take it home with them. No one else is allowed to play with it. No one else is allowed to do any legislation for the people of the state of Texas unless Democrats have a majority. And what is this all about? I mean, we'll break down what their complaints are. Clay and I will talk to you in just a moment here about why we're having this problem, what it is that they say is going on here but you got to understand, this is all about the narrative, the Democrat narrative, that there, there is a war on voting rights right now. Jim Crow 2.0, suppression of minority votes. They do this to justify the demonization of the right, to drive base turnout. And I would argue, because if they lose in 2022, they'll say Republicans cheated through suppression. And if you think I'm exaggerating, here is Jen Psaki. Well, thank you for the question, uh, because he's very focused on this speech tomorrow, one that he himself wanted to deliver. Um, He'll lay out the moral case for why denying the right to vote is a form of suppression and a form of silencing. And how he will use, he will redouble his commitment to using every tool at his disposal to continue to fight to protect the fundamental right of Americans to vote against the onslaught of voter suppression laws based on a dangerous and discredited conspiracy theory that culminated in assault on our capital. He'll call out 
the greatest irony of the big lie is that no election in our history has met such a high standard, with over 80 judges, including those appointed by his predecessor, throwing out all challenges. He'll also decry efforts to strip the right to vote as authoritarian and anti-American uh, as a uh, and stand up against the notion that politicians should be allowed to choose their voters or to subvert our system by replacing independent election authorities with partisan ones. And he will highlight the work of the administration against this, the necessity of passing the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, and how we need to work together with civil rights organizations to build as broad a turnout and voter education system to overcome the worst challenge to our democracy since the Civil War. So this is an opportunity for him to make the case. Okay, Clay, the worst challenge to our democracy since the Civil War, the, the Texas Voting Rights Bill at the forefront of this now. Is there any level of crazy that's too much for them? It is such, and this is just purely historical analysis, right? Don't don't even take the political aspect of it, and we'll get to the political on its most basic level here as we break it down. But the idea for anyone who has studied American history that the biggest threat to American democracy since the Civil War is voting rights bills that are being passed all over the country in multiple different directions is so transparently false that it is absurdly ridiculous that she would even make that analogy. Let's just use several things that have happened since the Civil War as maybe a big jumping off point. In fact, let's just use World War II. I would suggest that it was a pretty big threat to democracy when the Nazis and uh, when we were attacked at Pearl Harbor by the Japanese, when we had to fight a war for the very essence of freedom, I would suggest that maybe just possibly World War II and the Nazis and the Axis powers were a bigger threat to American democracy than what is going on right now. I mean, at its most basic level, this is not true. And by the way, we had an election during the Civil War and during World War II. Buck, in 1944, we had an election. In 1864, we had an election. And this this whole Jim Crow 2.0 argument, which Joe Biden is going to lay out today, is a lie. It is a flagrant, transparent, without dispute lie that even the Washington Post when they look at the Jim Crow 2.0 arguments in their uh, in their lie detector, they gave it four Pinocchios. It's not remotely an accurate determination. Here's I'm curious what you think about the politics on this. Why now focus on this voting issue? Is it? I mean, because I'm really trying to look at it from a what are they trying to accomplish here? In July, as the as the infrastructure bill is out there. As the budget bill is is right now in front of committee in the Senate, I, I really don't understand. Are, is this just a big distraction so that people will forget about infrastructure and the budget bill? Oh, no. It's, Why do you think this is going on? It's a three-pronged strategy. This creates a justification for the demonization of the right as racist and therefore not worthy of any, not only bipartisanism, uh, but also... You don't have to respect the system when you're dealing with you actually save the system. This is how Democrats approach it. You save the system by undermining it 
when you're dealing with racist Republicans. That's that's the the operating theory they have. It drives base turnout for Democrats going into a midterm election year. And as I've said, I believe that they're already look at what's happened in in 2016. They said that they didn't really lose. There was Russia collusion in 2020. They won. And now they're saying that if Trump were to run again, effectively, that would be a continuation of the insurrection. So there's not allowed to be an opposition. I assure you in 2024 or 2022, more imminently, if they lose control of the House, the primary argument they will make will not be maybe defund the police was crazy and stupid. And we embraced it in the most cynical fashion as Democrats, if not in a true ideological fashion. They're not going to say we had the border wide open under Biden because he undid what Trump did to secure the border. They're not going to say that inflation is rising. Gas prices are setting records for the last decade. They're not going to look at any of that, Clay. They're going to say we lost because of racist and the subtext, of course, white nationalist insurrectionist Republicans enforcing Jim Crow 2.0 voting laws. As crazy as that is. I understand all of it, and it's crazy. I'm just saying, why is it becoming the focus right now in mid-July? What else right? What else would the focus be? I mean, this is they're, they're looking at this. Where is the, I mean, you're asking a great question, and it's one I think the Democrats would never want to have to answer. What's this is the big the success? Yeah. What's the big yeah. success they can point to? Yeah, no, I mean, I just think strategically, it's the middle of the summer. If your big swing is voting rights, you are going to, let's say you get a week worth of attention over this. We know it's not going to pass. We know that the filibuster is not going to suddenly be removed based on what Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin have already said. Now, maybe you get the attention of a week of uh, the the Democrats from the Texas House on the steps of the Senate, which, by the way, uh, of the U.S. Capitol, is kind of a funny uh, setup because effectively aren't they demonstrating the power of a, uh, a a more far more aggressive than the filibuster, right? I mean, if you are of the belief that majority rule should always govern, then fleeing your state to stand on the steps of the United States Capitol, it seems like in many ways you're giving credence to the importance of the filibuster, right? So the logic there, I doubt they'll even be asked any questions about that, but Fleeing your state to avoid being present for a quorum is far more of an aggressive move than demanding 60 votes in the Senate in order for a bill to pass. And so I'm just looking at this, and it doesn't make any sort of logical sense to me, Buck. Like, let's pretend we're playing chess, right? And 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 the, the smartest politicians like to think of themselves as chess players. This doesn't lead to me in any way. Let's leave aside the fact that it's totally a ridiculous argument they're making. I don't even see how it advances right now. I can see next year for the midterm how you can make the argument. But in July of 2021, this just seems like a really strange, weird focus to suddenly have. Well, one thing I do know is you should never assume your opponents are geniuses. Well, this that's case, accurate. In this case, the Texas Democrat contingent on the plane, which they chartered at $100,000 of tax, two planes, actually, $100,000 of taxpayer expense with a, I think it was like a 30 pack or something of, you know, Bush light in the background. Miller, like Miller light. Miller I think. light. Pardon me. Yes. Pardon me. 
And no masks on, of course, even though they're under FAA regulation on that plane, too. So that's how seriously they take the virus. We'll talk more about the virus and and all that in the second hour of the show. But, Clay, the overarching narrative is what they're trying to play into, which is what Jen Psaki is giving voice to, which is that Republicans effectively uh, Democrats now believe that if they lose an election, it's because racism. That's it. Of course. If they lose... It's racism and anything anything beyond that they would view as as an unacceptable bending of the knee to voter suppression efforts. I would even argue, Buck, that the Democratic Party has basically become it's not even losing elections. It's any disagreement with any policy that they put forward is racism. This is how the woke virus has spread to such an extent that every single thing that they support that anybody else disagrees with the reason why they support it on the other side is racism. That's where they've devolved their entire policy. Everything is racist. That's the entire, that's the democratic policy now is summed up in three words. Everything is racist. And we should dive into what, look, there's the Texas state legislature level of this and the threat from Governor Abbott. This is great that he will arrest them when they come back into the state of Texas force them into legislative session and make them actually do their jobs. And I'm I'm serious folks. And when a Texan says they're going to arrest you, they mean it. Oh uh, god, can you imagine how wild this is going to get? It could be really good. But that's already out there. We'll get into what they're saying is the big problem here and and then also we'll go back to the national level cuz you know Kamala is talking about this in the last couple of days. Joe Biden's giving a speech today around 3 Eastern right after our show. Uh, where he's going to be addressing the voting rights issue. So we'll dive into all this. But in the meantime, how about I save you money, like a bunch of money, $800 a year, up to that for your family. And all you have to do, you keep exactly the same cell service you have right now, but you switch carriers to Pure Talk because those big wireless providers out there are charging you for data you're not going to use, perks you don't need, And you're paying for all that, whether you realize it or not. Pure Talk cuts out all that, gives you the same exact coverage, but only charges for what you need. And, Clay, it's so easy. We've both got our iPhone 12s. We're set up. Service is exactly the same, just much cheaper. No doubt. And in the past year, 20,000 of you have done what Buck and I did and gotten signed up. And you are now in the process of saving up to $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. Look, you can do this whether you're with AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile. How do you do it? Well, it's pretty simple. Buck and I have done it. Over 20,000 of you in the last year have done it as well. All you have to do to get unlimited talk, text, plus six gigs of data, all for just $30 a month, is take out your cell phone right now, dial pound 250, and say Pure Talk. Let me repeat that. You get 50% off your first month. All you have to do, cell phone in your hand right now, pound 250, say Pure Talk. You'll then have the option to receive a one-time auto-dialed text message from Pure Talk. Sign up today. Start saving a bundle for you and your family with the brand new iPhone 12. All you have to do one more time is pull out your phone and do pound 250 and say Pure Talk. Welcome back in, Clay Travis. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Uh, Beck Buck Sexton here as well. Of course, it's the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. We are talking about the big focus all of a sudden on, as Joe Biden made it, uh, Jim Crow 2.0. 
Got a couple of different clips here, but I want to point out today is the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And ironically enough, if you think about all of this talk that we have had about voter suppression and new voter laws and everything else, it's all hot air, except the only actual tangible impact is that Atlanta ended up losing the All-Star Game. But can you think of anything else that has actually come out of all this chirping back and forth other than Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred turning tail, being an idiot, and deciding to pull the All-Star Game out of a majority black city in Atlanta and putting it in one of the whitest cities, of course, uh, in the country in Denver. I mean, I can't even think of a tangible impact otherwise. I think you're underselling the tidal wave of virtue signaling that this has allowed play people all across libs coast to coast and mostly on the coast who sit around saying see we oppose the jim crow 2.0 of georgia you know moving the amount of early voting days by a few days while it expands the time in other ways or or in the state of texas where they want to do that horrible thing known as making sure you actually vote in person in the county in which you live, which is one of the things in the Texas bill. But this allows, I mean, you're asking the question, Clay, tangible results? No, of course, not tangible, although probably fundraising, probably making a a bunch of money off of this for Democrat causes. But it lets people who watch CNN feel like they're heroes. They're they're in the the new civil rights struggle for the Democrats today, is making sure that you have 30 and not 25 days of early voting. That's where we are. Let's play Kamala Harris, speaking of idiots. Uh, We last heard from Kamala yesterday when she was explaining that people who lived in rural areas weren't smart enough to get copies of their IDs. I mean, she really, really is an idiot every time she opens her mouth. Well, now... She's focused on voter suppression. Here's Kamala. I do want to first start by uh, making a statement about the, the legislators in Texas who are showing extraordinary courage and commitment. I met with them when many of them traveled to Washington, D.C. We sat down and had an extensive conversation in the Roosevelt Room in the White House. And I applaud them standing for the rights of all Americans and all Texans to express their voice through their vote, unencumbered. Um, I will say that that they um, they are leaders who are marching in the path that so many others before did. I do believe that fighting for the right to vote is as American as apple pie. It is so fundamental to fighting for the principles of our democracy. I'm glad that everyone hears that, Clay, because when I say things like they believe, the Democrats believe that this is the new civil rights struggle, I'm not exaggerating for effect on air. They really think that, or at least they really say that. That's a, It's a combination of those two things. But they use that rhetoric to make this seem like it's some valiant struggle against the oppressive Republicans. I mean, they really are acting like, like this is all some big racist conspiracy. It's crazy. They're either one of two things, delusional, which may be true, or lying. Got to go both. Got to go both. And and the idea that you would in any way equate what is going on right now with the civil rights era. First of all, we're coming off of one of the largest turnouts we've ever seen. 
for an election. And so this idea is totally a joke. We're going to continue to break down why this is so insanely stupid. But I want to tell you right now, Jim in Texas said, I was skeptical. My wife talked me into trying Relief Factor. And after two months of taking Relief Factor, I hardly noticed any pain. I'm so glad I found it. Relief Factor works. That is Jim in Texas. I know it works. My wife absolutely loves it. I keep telling you that she's going to live to be a hundred and fifteen, and that's why hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and about seventy percent of them go on to order more. You can join the more than half a million people and order the three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety-five. All you have to do is go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to get the 1995 three-week quick start developed for you. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 the number 4 relief. More than a movie is back with season 2 of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, is is that my baggage? look like my baggage i mean i know okay that's mine let's unpack that listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iHeartRadio app apple podcast 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Isn't that the most un-Texan thing you've ever heard? Texans running from a fight? They're, they're quitters. Uh, they're, it's like uh, during a, a football game or a baseball game, uh, taking their equipment when they're way behind and just leaving the field. That is not the way that Texans do things. The State House of Representatives uh, who are here in the Capitol in Austin right now, they do have the ability to issue a call to have their fellow members who are not showing up to be arrested, but only so long as that arrest is made in the state of Texas. Once they step back into the state of Texas, they will be arrested and brought to the Texas Capitol, and we will be conducting business. The Democrats are wanted so to speak. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. There you had the governor of Texas straight up saying it. They set foot the 58 Democrats who have absconded on taxpayer funded private planes to go to D.C. to take lots of selfies, post photos and videos of themselves, drinking soy lattes, <laughs> eating, eating salad with the protein taken out of it. You know, sustainable only, of course, Clay. And, and we're supposed to believe that this is some selfless act there was actually one of one of these legislators uh, put something out about the essentially what a bunch of heroes they are you know they're leaving their families the special session could go on for 30 days oh that's right good heavens these texans might have to live in our nation's capital for 30 whole days i'm sure it's the, the scariest thing they've ever they've ever seen clay here's where where we really are on this one democrats have a deep and abiding anxiety about not only looking too closely at what happened in the 2020 election, but also losing some of the changes they made under the emergency declaration in these different states. They feel like, whoa, hold on a second. If we can't do that, which is why they want H.R. 1, if they can't push for that nationwide, which is what the For the People Act is supposed to do, they might lose the next time around. And what's the single most, the thing that everybody knows, the most important thing of all for Democrats? Power. Everything else is secondary to that. Buck, when you look at the 2020 election, even with all of big tech colluding in their favor, the the New York Post story can't be shared, all sorts of uh, destruction of messaging through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of big tech putting their ample power on the Joe Biden side of the electoral math. I think Democrats are looking at all these numbers and they are having a holy crap moment. As all the Pew research, I was looking at it over the weekend, comes out and you look at the data. If even based on the numbers that are out there right now, which were vastly inflated because of pandemic emergency elections, right? The the method in which the elections took place in 2020. Donald Trump lost Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona by a combined 40,000 votes. That means in a country of 330 million people, if 20,000 people, roughly an arena for hockey or the NBA in this entire country, had changed their minds, Trump would have been reelected in 2020. And I think what Democrats looked at is they said, oh my God, we pulled out all the stops in 2020, all the emergency voting regulations that we could possibly put in place. And big tech put their entire foot on the scale of justice for us, and we still won by a pinprick. And they know 
that with redistricting going on in 2022, that they're going to lose the House. And I think you're right uh, that they have a good chance to lose the Senate. And they're going to argue their entire 2024 campaign, which I think is going to be headed up by Kamala Harris, is going to be everything is racist. That's the Democratic Party's message. That's all they have right now. Their entire message comes down to three words. Everything is racist. And what they are gambling on, Buck, is that there are enough woke white people, because that's who won Joe Biden in the election, woke white people in the suburbs who are afraid of being called racist, that they can so terrify white people that if they support Republicans, they are racist, that they are going to find a way to win. Everything is racist is the Democratic Party's entire message now. And if the press were actually interested in covering what's happening, you'll, you'll notice and you can tell that they're lying to you or hiding things from you because they'll say Republicans want to pass in the state of Texas. And this then feeds immediately into this broader everything that has to do with voter integrity measures. Every Essentially, any voting rule that Democrats don't like is called racist, and that is not an exaggeration. That That is a, a an ironclad rule of American politics right now. But when you look at what's in the Texas bills, it's actually two bills, uh, House Bill 3 and Senate Bill 1, they have voter ID requirements for those who want to vote by mail. Very straightforward. No sending vote-by-mail applications to those who haven't asked for them. Seems straightforward. Ban drive-through voting, which they only got because of the pandemic and the sense of emergency that was around it that they helped create. Expand poll watcher protections. They don't like that, of course, right? Poll watchers definitely getting access. Democrats, why? I mean, that poll watchers as a provision is the what-have-you-got-to-hide measure. And every time you try to push for greater, because what happens is sometimes Democrat precincts say, no, you, you can't actually be in the room, or no, you're not even allowed on the premises. This in Texas would say that is flatly illegal. You must allow. They don't like that. So that's very clear. And also, I think there's something about filling out paperwork. If you take a relative directly and in person to vote, I'm sorry, a non-relative directly and in person to vote. Relatives you can obviously take. Uh, so that's really the, the what's in this, Clay. And, and what I think is so interesting is is the lectures we get from Democrats, especially in the corporate media, about how we need to respect our institutions and we need to respect the system. What about the people of the state of Texas who voted to give the Republicans a clear majority in the state house? Do, do their voices not count? Do their do their votes not matter? You know, if we're going to talk about respecting institutions, doing something for which you can be arrested in your own state, which the Democrats are doing, does not seem to be the height of responsibility. But as we all know, hypocrisy is the water in which the libs swim. Yeah, well, speaking of hypocrisy, I mean, they're all on a plane. The Texas state legislature members are without wearing masks um, and they are taking a step which is infinitely more pronounced than the filibuster, right? We've been told, because the Democratic Party's message is everything is racist, that the filibuster now, which, by the way, was used abundantly by Senate Democrats, and I think Kristen Sinema herself pointed out that 41 different Senate Democrats defended the filibuster to the edge of their abilities when Donald Trump won in 2017, but it's now racist to use the filibuster. Well, wait a minute. This is way more expansive than the filibuster. The Texas 
uh, minority here, the Democratic uh, members of the House, are fleeing the state Clay. rather than have to be involved in a debate over election law that's a billion percent more substantial than the filibuster. This is like faking faking illness to get out of your math test in high school. That's what this, I mean, this is abusing the system dishonestly to avoid something, a consequence that you don't want. That's what the Democrats well, And are. then saying, not only faking, saying you're sick, and then saying the test itself is racist, and so you're going to a different state to talk about how racist your high school is. And yet here's the real test. And this is, you, you know, you mentioned... Uh, you mentioned redistricting, which will be called gerrymandering. You'll be able to see it if you do like a nexus search. It won't be called gerrymandering it, anymore. It'll be called racism. Well, th- well, that too. But they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll you'll see the term gerrymandering. They'll, you'll see the term gerrymandering appearing a lot more when Republicans do it, even though it's the same when Democrats do. I worry that Republicans lack the the spinal fortitude to really use their power on that issue. There's already some indicators they're going to get a little weak on redistricting. Um, and it's because a lot of it has to do with protecting incumbency too, but, uh, protecting incumbents. But then there's also, will Republicans in the state of Texas really hold the line, so to speak? And you have Governor Greg Abbott who's saying he's going to keep calling these sessions. He's not going to move. He's not going to back down an inch. What the House of Representatives can do, the Speaker can do, is issue a call to have these members arrested. In addition to that, however, uh, I can and I will continue to call special session after special session after special session all the way up until election next year. And so if these people want to be hanging out wherever they're hanging out on this taxpayer paid junket, they're going to have to be prepared to do it for well over a year. As soon as they come back in the state of Texas, they will be arrested. They will be cabined inside the Texas Capitol until they get their job done. They have to follow through. Abbott has to follow through on this. It's essential because it otherwise sends a message to Democrats that if they abuse the system in a Linskyite fashion, they they sabotage it, they jam it up, they get away with it, Clay. Well, and when we come back in this next segment, Buck, I want to talk again about what I think is actually going on here, which is I think the Democratic Party with their budget mess They're having a big fight between the Bernie Sanders wing and the moderate Democratic wing in the Senate. And I think this everything is racist uh, speech from Joe Biden is designed to distract people from all the budget mess that they're dealing with in the Senate. But first, what you got for us? You know, trillions of dollars have been pumped into the economy of the last few years. Six trillion dollars in 2020 alone. Think about that. National debts approaching 30 trillion. All right. The dollar is going to be losing value fast. Hear what Trump said? He said inflation is going to get really, really bad. So what can you do to protect your savings and retirement? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I bought real gold and silver from the Oxford Gold Group. I don't mean gold and silver stocks or ETFs. I'm talking about actual gold and silver, the precious metals that you can hold in your hands, that you can keep yourself. I buy my gold and silver from the Oxford Gold Group because that's who I trust. They've got great customer service. You're going to get great prices from them. Give them a call right now, 833-404-GOLD. They'll answer all your questions and send you their investment guide. Whether you're looking to have real gold and silver delivered to your home or have real gold and silver in your IRA or 401k, the Oxford Gold Group can help. Call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-404-GOLD. Call them right now, 833-404-GOLD, before that inflation really kicks in and the dollars in your pocket become less valuable.
back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. want to encourage you to go subscribe to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton podcast. Give us some five-star reviews. We'll read the funniest, the most entertaining out there. Uh, as we are breaking down Jim Crow 2.0, in quotation marks, we should put that, because that is what Jim Biden, uh, Joe, Jim Biden, that's what Joe Biden is calling the ridiculous uh, scenarios that the Democrats are trying to spin right now. And here is my theory, Buck. I just and I understand your argument of don't presume that they're even capable of playing chess right now. I think they are trying to distract the Democratic Party is right now. They are in the throes of a major budgetary battle. Bernie Sanders wants a six trillion dollar budget, the likes of which we've never seen before. Moderates in the Senate are saying they might only go for two and a half or three trillion. That's a massive difference. And as all of this is taking place right now in D.C., suddenly Biden travels out of D.C. to go to Philadelphia to give a speech uniting the overall Democratic game plan of everything is racist to try to distract from what is becoming a pretty readily apparent Democratic civil war over budgetary issues, over crime, over really all of Joe Biden's uh, theoretical game plan here there are massive battles not external but internal in the democratic party and i think they're trying to rally the troops by just once more saying hey remember remember how racist the republicans are and hope that nobody's noticing what's going on with the budget right now but the budget is going to be something we only know about if the media covers it and they're not going to cover it in a way that makes it seem like there's some important i mean you're right there's there's it's a mess right what you're saying is true but I'm I'm trying to see how it is that I mean what you're saying about the budget being a back and forth between Democrats, but they know the media is never going to make that look like it's as as you said a civil war or anything else. So may, maybe there's just disjointed uh, there's just disjointed messaging right now uh, because the Democrats are flailing because the first six months of the Biden administration is a mess. I mean that that's a, that's the that's an alternative explanation. And as you and I both agree, they view. Republicans are racist as the one that is the one great uniter. And that then that then translates into voting rights issues and crime issues, everything else. That's, so that's their what they always higher game plan. And it's going to get even worse with Kamala Harris being the nominee, because if she's not the nominee, guess what? She's going to be able to say that the Democratic Party is racist and sexist because they didn't pick a black woman to be their nominee. This is assuming that they can't weekend at Bernie style drag Joe Biden I'm, I'm thinking uh, out as the nominee again. I'm thinking it's going to be weekend at Bernie's part. You three think show part two? I, I or I think they already made it too. Did they make yeah. it? Part, I well, think they yeah. made a sequel. Which so this is part three if, and four or whatever. Yeah, if you saw the original, there should have been no sequel. But yeah. no, I, I I do believe that they're they're so worried at this point about Kamala's. Look, they used to talk about the lack of likability with Hillary Clinton, which was but her whole thing was that it was extreme competence and executive, which I know was, you know, nonsense. But the point is, that was the story. That was the narrative with Kamala. You've got doesn't seem particularly likable on a political level, doesn't have that charisma, those retail uh, political skills. And exactly what has gone well that's been in her portfolio so far. I mean, we don't even talk about the border anymore, which is the worst it's ever been. And that was her issue until she realized this is a mess and I can't fix it. She's also awful on her feet, which is uh, a a massive story. And I still I, I understand people are like, oh, you can't talk about this. The fact that she was the side chick of Willie Brown in San Francisco that everybody just is like not even talking about. I mean, how is that? She was the girlfriend of a married man. 
And everybody just like, if she's going to be the front-facing candidate in 2024, I mean, how is that not a major story if the Democrats are going to try to trot her out? I know everybody's like, oh, my God, you can't say that. But that's like a big part of her resume in California. She was the girlfriend of a married man. I think that's kind of significant. Now, Trump, maybe. I mean, it may not be a great angle for Trump to be playing because not like his uh, his past history is in his private life stellar necessarily. But I think that's kind of a big deal. She's not good on her feet. She, ha- you know, like has not had really a very storied and accomplished career. And she uh, she managed in California to initially rise to power by being the side chick of the mayor. And it's like people won't even mention it. Like to me, she's utterly incompetent. Well, Democrats certainly weren't fond of her during the primary, which was obvious, despite her saying, despite her saying it's clear I'm a top tier candidate, which was not clear from the actual voters. I remember she said that early on that remember the Democrats had those double debates that were going on too, you know, one, one back to back. And she came out and said, it's clear I'm a top candidate. She's a top candidate in the green room of, of CNN. And she's a top candidate if you were to pull the New York Times editorial page, maybe. But for the rest, I don't think so. So I do believe Biden is uh, is probably going to be the person they put forward. But look, that's a that's a ways off. We should dive into how do we get our freedom back now? How do we get rid of Fauciism, the mask mandates? They want to put masks on kids in the biggest school districts in America. That's what we're being told. Los Angeles, New York City, still mask mania running wild. Clay, we've got somebody who has been fearless from the very beginning on this one joining us in just a few minutes. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun because there's a lot to dive in there. Alex Berenson and, is his name. I just want to yes, by the way, we should just go ahead and yes. say who it is. Uh, and he's been driving people crazy by actually sharing facts. What do you know? That will be next. Coming up in just a moment of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Stay with us. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 